Hey, welcome into the Irish NFL show presented by Trust Gaming and also presented by Matchbook Betting Exchange. Delighted to welcome everybody in on this lovely cold Monday night. This is a cold Monday night. It's colder than Jerry Jones after losing one and done. Welcome in. Uh, that was bad. Michael, Jumbo Breakfast Roll, McQuaid. Colin, his team didn't play at Cronin. Brian supports anybody apart from his own team, Nancy East O'Leary. And Mark, I had one for you, but do you know what? I just, I, I, we'll, we'll save it because you're, you're in for a bad night, but sure, it's grand. Before we start off, lads, just a reminder this show is presented by Matchbook Betting Exchange, £20, 20 euro welcome offer. Gets you money back as cash if your first bet loses. The code is Irish NFL show. T's and C's are below. More of that later. Uh, Colm, how are you doing? You all right? I'm good. Uh, I think probably a weekend of high drama, in maybe more than uh, incredible uh, football matchups. Though there were some wonderful performances, but I think uh, quite a, a few talking points coming out of uh, that weekend. Brian, a good weekend for Giants fans like me, like a Broncos fan, just sitting, just chilling out and uh, watching neutral football. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the weekend. Um, six games, two were blowouts, but we probably, you know, for large parts of the show last week, we felt that could be the case. A lot of people on social last night who were giving out about this seventh seed scenario because it's taking away from teams getting buys and having to play in this round. But um, in fairness, I thought overall the games were quite good. And those seven seeds last year weren't blown out, but unfortunately this week, this year they were. But um, probably, I suppose, goes to the argument of why, they should, why they're in there in the first place. But overall, overall, really enjoyable, and that 49ers game, I felt was was. I mean, we're going to get to it. It was a great game. Mark, w- welcome into the Irish NFL show. Welcome to the NFL, Mark. This is what the NFL is like. How are you? What pain, Michael? Basically, yeah. is, is that Everywhere. what it is? Um, great weekend. I'm intrigued for two key things. Number one is there was only two games at the weekend. Everything else was a blowout. Let's oh, no, no, no. Blowout. Come on, no, Everything come on. Blowout. There were. There were three blowouts and there were two proper games. But besides that, I cannot wait for some of the comments this evening, some of the crack. <laughs> As you know, we have fans of all different teams and we have some fans that engage quite a bit with us in relation to it and, you know, feel their pain, um, feel their elation at the same time. Um, so, uh yeah, should be good crack, lads. Should be good crack. I am going to keep some of the comments on the screen. If if you don't mind, folks, that you're commenting, thanks so much for your comments. You can comment on YouTube, it gets on the screen. If you comment on Twitter, we'll try and read it out as fast as possible. The same with Facebook. Uh, we'll try and keep the comments for the games, and I'll try and put them out. Uh, we're we're going to go with the order, lads, as uh, it went to the weekend. Uh, there is a game tonight, which we're going to talk about in the wee bit. The Cardinals are playing the Rams at uh, 1.15 a.m. And then also, boys, just a quick... Very, very quick reminder. This is how the slate looks at the weekend. Bengals, Titans, 49ers, Packers. Uh, there, there's a new, I think this is the new Washington football team named TBC at, at the Bucks, And the Bills are playing the Chiefs at Arrowhead again. But sure, let's not worry about that right now. Let's go to the first game of the weekend. Let's look back on what was uh, the Cincinnati Bengals column going up against the Oakland, San Diego, Las Vegas, San Antonio the Raiders, uh, the Bengals win, uh, but I I find this game very entertaining, really really entertaining game. But this this Bengals team with with Joe Burrow column, uh, 
may prove an interesting test for Tennessee at the weekend. Yeah, if Zach Taylor allows Burrow to be Burrow. Oh, I know my missile. Carry on. What was that? So all good. <laughs> what was that? This is this is not being this is not being planned. What's going on I, here? I I had no idea that was uh, that was coming, but uh, there there we go. I mean, I suppose it, uh, there for for me, the the biggest um, issue for this Bengals team is Zach Taylor um, because Burrow is fantastic. Um, in Burrow's last five games, almost seventy five percent completion. Averaging 342 yards per game, 13 touchdowns, zero interception, and almost 130 uh, rating. He he has been fantastic, but for some reason, Zach Taylor keeps taking the ball out of his hands, and it's run, run, pass, run, run, pass, the most predictable thing in, in the world. So going to be really interesting to see um, what they do next week against the Titans. We'll, we will get to that, but a, a defense who are particularly good on third down the, the whistle, I know Bengals fans don't like it because they made that very clear um, on social media. But the reality is, is that once you um, blow the, the whistle, the, the play is dead. And probably more than even um, doing that, the, the, the NFL gaslighting everyone afterwards and say, oh, no, 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 the whistle wasn't blown until the player had caught the ball. Um, but then at the same time, taking that refereeing crew out of the playoffs. So the NFL um, will do whatever the NFL wants to do. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I think the Bengals would have found a way to win. Um, but that that particular touchdown shouldn't have counted. Um, you have to say, given everything that the Raiders have been through, they were gamey. They stayed in it right up until the end. And, you know, in a in a season where we are talking about Burrow and Chase and all the receiving talent, it was ultimately the Bengals' defense that won them the game. I saw a lot of people after the game saying, oh, well, the Bengals allowed the Raiders to, to hang around, I think was the term was used, which I felt was a bit disrespectful to a Raiders defense that held the, the, the Bengals at six points in the second half. And I know it's similar enough on the same the other side because... There were six points, and that came in the fourth quarter. But then when I look back on the stats of the game, Carr threw for 310 as opposed to 244. But I felt what ultimately cost the Raiders was mistakes of their own, and in particular in the first half. I mean, there was the, the kick, the kickoff, which they allowed your man, Barber, took it instead of fielding it with his foot out. He would have got the ball to 40. Then there was the fumble. Alex Leatherwood, three three holes in the game. I mean, there was continuous mistakes, but yet they, they still show the resolve to stay in the game. But where I felt in in the end, ultimately, was there was no deep threat for the Raiders. I mean, you look at the stats, Waddle 76, Jones 61, Renfro 58. But it was all manageable. There was nothing down the field for them. And Carr threw 54 times as opposed to r- running the ball, which they only ran the ball 18 times. And they did well when they ran it. Jacobs got 83 yards. So they got away from things that were working very early on, early on in the game. And that first drive as well, when they looked like they were moving in the right direction, Again, when they got into an, an opportunity to potentially score a touchdown, there was a, another flag in the end of having to accept the field goal. Yeah, and then Burrow has Chase, 116 yards. And then for me, that was the difference. You know, Chase, they had that big play option. The Raiders didn't. They got it going in the fourth quarter. And the last drive, 29 seconds, they take a, they take a spike on the first play. Was that necessary? There was enough time to get four plays off, kill the play. And then the last one, they didn't even go in for, for a touchdown. Fair play to um, 
the Bengals. Um, it's Michael, really, I feel sorry for, more so than anyone there next next weekend. Because as my late mother used to say, Michael has been courting the Titans and the Bengals fans all season long. And now he's going to have to show his hand, get serious with one of them, let the other one down gently. It's it's not you, it's me. And he's going to have to show uh, his, no, true hold, love, hold. his true love for one of them come this weekend. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. I wasn't going to talk about it, but you know, we could talk about the Raiders picks. We could talk about the love for the Raiders also. I mean, come on, come on. Now. Of course I have to make a decision, and that decision will be made. I'm so happy you said this. Friday night, we have a preview show. This took about four hours to make, so thank you, Brian, for saying that. Friday looks, night preview It looks show. well. It looks well. I'll give you that. Are you well? Because you're looking well. Is there one made with Kyler Murray and with Cooper Cup on it? Yes, there is. Maybe both teams will lose tonight. I don't know. Uh, all I know is I'm going to bed after this show. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I know, like, um, Colin made the, made the point there. The Raiders have come, gone through a lot this season. So I know you don't like them because they're obviously in your division. Um, but um, in fairness, they were a great storyline this year. And I, f- I feel they've had a good season overall. It'd be interesting to see where to go with the head coach now because he was the interim head coach and... Even despite making the playoffs, I'm not I'm not convinced they'll keep him. I think there's better options out there, and I think they'll pursue them, potentially even Harbaugh, who was there previously as a quarterback coach. But but let me pick it up from there, Brian, because you know, I, I have to admit, Biscotti was um he was impressive. I, I don't know if I'm saying his surname right, by the way, but that's how I'm gonna say it. But he was impressive to me. He was so cool and calm under all that pressure. And he was I suppose he was the same in the Chargers game last week. It was a world of difference to some of the hysterics we see from coaches. Even Zach Taylor looked like he was <laughs> he was going to have a heart attack at various times. And I think that comes into play. I mean, thinking clearly under pressure. The old Clive Woodward's uh, expression about teacup. Um, that's so important. And unfortunately, whereas he was thinking clearly under pressure at various times, I think, we'll talk about the game later on, where certainly when the pressure got to people, they definitely didn't think clearly. Uh, and in this game, the most critical play, I'm sorry for me, was not the blown whistle. It was that spike. You had time on the clock and you've instantly limited 25% of your chances to win the game. It was an appalling decision. It was appalling clock management. And that was the Raiders really messing up their opportunities uh, in relation to it. They shot themselves in the foot at the times, but I don't want to dig on them too much because this could have easily been a blowout as well. Don't forget, there was a moment where everything was going wrong for the Raiders. They messed up their first couple of drives. Instead of starting at the 40-yard line, they started at the three because of the stupidity on the kickoff. Um, Bengals get a touchdown that shouldn't have stood. Um, it's as simple as that. Did it this time in the game? Of course not. It's in the first half still. Um, anything could have happened differently if it had been correctly caught. And then the Raiders pulled together the best drive of the entire game to at least keep it close. I mean, I just thought that showed their tenacity and was a testament to them in that regard. But we then get into the second half, and the third quarter turned into the rest quarter. It wasn't just the whistle. I mean, the third quarter was just, let's call a flag every 10 seconds. Jerome Boga doesn't strike me as the most confident referee in the entire world, but when he has to consult with his all-star cast of referees and take about five minutes to get every single call in the game and then deliver it in the most un- you know, he, he clearly didn't believe what he was saying, it felt like at times. It was a bit like the NFL statement afterwards, which when they said, yeah, yeah, he, the, the play was over when the whistle was blown. 
it wasn't against the exactly the most reassuring thing it was ever played. It was a really good game. The credit to Bengals, they've broken that streak. Um, Raiders were in there, but I mean the the Bengals. There were a couple of drives where Burrow and Chase just looked like they were playing pitch and catch, and it was almost like, well, why isn't he throwing to him on every single play? Um, because there were two drives in particular. I think Chase made up like eighty percent of the yards on those drives, and that was just something to behold. I'm going to give you one last thought, and you will not be able to get this out of your head. Somebody said it to me on Saturday night, and they said, "Geez." Every time Drew Brees talks, all I hear is John Gruden. And as soon as he said it, I could not get it out of my head. It was like... I thought he was brutal. I thought he was brutal. What? I thought he was absolutely atrocious on the call. No, on Saturday night. And there's people like Gruden, Twitter said he was fantastic. same kind of mannerisms and everything. It was like, as soon as it went into my head, I was like, oh my God, he's absolutely right. I, I got the impression he was conscious. He was working on the commentary. Potentially, I'm not sure if he's doing the game previously, but it was like, it's very early on in his kind of commenting career that he was going to go, I'm not going to say anything controversial here. He didn't make any judgment on the, the bad play with the with the whistle. And then the Derek Carr roughing the passer uh, foul on the last drive, which was a ridiculous decision. I mean, Carr bought that all day long with the referees. He didn't even comment on that one either. He didn't even say, look, that's a poor call. He just said, oh, I've seen them given type scenarios. He he was but very they, non-controversial around anything. But on that, Taroko's a very good commentator, and that whistle, we all heard it. Like, instantly, we were all kind of going, hey, I heard a whistle on that play. Wasn't there a whistle on that play? And the two play-by-play commentators are like, do to do to do to do in a little dreamland. They listen to a few replays, and they go, oh, is something happening there. Something's blowing up on Twitter. I will say that Derek Carr rough in the passer was an absolute joke. But, of course, I know, guys. You're only going to give out about roughing the past the penalties that go against certain quarterbacks, not against them all. So we'll come to that later on. Oh, we'll come to that in a wee bit. Don't worry. Um, I, I just, I've sort of kept quiet. Well, I've kept quiet in these two games, mostly on Twitter over the last couple of days, because one, I can't really be bothered for the replies. Uh, and two, I have been looking forward to this night for the last two days. I was actually telling my wife yesterday how excited I was for tonight. First off, let's, let, let's look at this Bengals whistle play. I'm going to get shafted here, right? Uh, I understand it was against the Bills. It was, so it shouldn't have counted. However, whenever the ball was thrown, he was... The, let me just finish the sentence, okay? No! He was in. Let me just... Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, from watching multiple replays, he was in bounds, and the players were there. It wouldn't have actually... I, wouldn't, I, I don't have an issue with it. I thought the Raiders were not good enough on saturday night and for me obviously it doesn't count because it's against the rules but i just thought there was a real hullabaloo because at that point in the game on saturday night boys i mean you said it mark jamar chase was it looked like he was sitting in second gear going down and going down a motorway chilling just looking yeah, around it's, and, it's yeah, it was men against boys but it's not just about that mike it's about the whole momentum of a game is how the team feel the players feel the coaching feels it changes everything if that's a do-over we're going to play. We never know what's going to happen. It's like offside goals in cup finals throughout the years that you think what could have been. Um, what I would say on that, the counter argument is the the corner gave up on the play because he heard a whistle. And if you look from the angle, the two guys underneath underneath the uh, the goalposts were having a chat together, the, the Bengals and the uh, and the Raiders player because they felt the play was dead. To me, to me, it's it's more about 
this play, like it's not about this play it's about the whole ethos of the game play to the whistle play to the whistle play to the whistle you are told that in sport from as soon as you start playing it right the way through if you remove that then wh what's the point in playing to any whistle if you have it so that the you players continue to play after a whistle then how do you how do you blow up if um uh, a linebacker takes out a qb how do you how do you blow up if somebody hits a, a wide receiver where does that lead you to eventually? So I couldn't care less about this particular play. You play to the whistle, though, and the NFL pretending that the whistle was after it is the most ridiculous aspect of this. But when when was the whistle blown? Was it before or after it left the sons? Because if you watch oh, the telecast, no, the, the, the whistle shouldn't the whistle shouldn't have been blown. All right, I'm not I'm not arguing that, but the whistle was blown. That the referees absolutely messed it up, and I think that's why they decided in that they were going to just pretend it didn't happen. But they messed it up, and that's the way sport goes sometimes. There was also people who came in who said they were at the game, and then when they watched the back later on on the TV, the whistle on the television is not consistent with the whistle in the stadium for a, for a second and a half. It, it, it came, as far as they were concerned, they, and these were Bengals guys, said they heard it sooner than how it was reflected on the television. Yeah, which kind of, which kind of aligned with some of the reaction of the players, as you, you were alluding to, Brian. I mean, Michael, it's, it, look, it, it's a fundamental point. It's black and white. This isn't like DPI and OPI. There is no room for interpretation in relation to it. And look, don't get me wrong. There have been games where it's messed up before. Actually, Brian, remember there was a Patriots-Giants game where the refs made a similar error on an inadvertent whistle, and they gave the Patriots the ball at a completion further down the field than they should have. Um, and that happens, but they didn't apply the rule correctly. The rules there are black and white. The stakes are at their highest. This is stuff the NFL and its officials have to get right. I can, I can defend a little bit people making the wrong holding call or too many holding calls or things like that. They're a little bit more subjective or the people flop on. But something like this, it's like you've got the benefit of the replay. They go to the TV screens. They have to validate the touchdown. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, we still get it wrong. That's what's inexcusable. I think, don't get me wrong, Bengals would have still won the game. It would have been 16-6 instead of 26. Maybe the Raiders don't go on such an impressive drive at the end of the first half. Maybe the Bengals keep the foot to the pedal in a better sense in the second half, and they end up winning by more. This is the other thing. I mean, so far away from the end of the game, you can't say it besides it. Um, but just get it right, guys. Like, it's not that difficult. I meant to say as well, like about Joe Burrow, that like the way he played, if he plays a got in Tennessee at the weekend, woo! And then also the if anybody hasn't seen the press conference video at the end, I mean this guy is twenty five years of age. Is there a significance to the glasses? Oh no, uh, I just think they're pretty cool. What do you think? <laughs> what an absolute G, Brent. Well, well, I agree with you. He's a fantastic player. I think we all knew he was a great talent, and we touched on last year how he got beat up because of the offensive line. And we touched on this season, the offensive line is still struggling. And you're saying he's got a great chance next weekend. I, I'm not making a pick now because it's only Monday. But if the Titans are fresh and that defense has plays as we've seen recently, they'll put them. Under, they'll put that line under a lot of pressure. Just another note: it's been confirmed that now in the last few minutes that the Raiders are in fact starting to interview new people for head coach, um, including Jared Mayo, your guy Mayo Sauce. Michael, I am. Um, seems to be getting a lot of uh, requests, Mayo. Mark. But um, yeah, so that's kind of. Pair of sauces. 
that confirms that really that the air um yeah. i will say it is quite funny hearing joe burrow say that in the media room because they're all looking on this good side so much you hear them all go oh yeah 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 it looks cool looks cool joe i mean not one of them said to him he looks like an 80s kendall but still like i mean they, they were being nice. yeah, like kevin from home alone and then, and then your man car looks like the burglar from home alone that's why it was a good crack on, on Saturday night. Michael, I should have known the Bengals would win because Home Alone, because I have young children, Home Alone was the most played film in this household this Christmas. And Home Alone was the number one film the last time the Bengals won a playoff game. So I should have known. Oh, thank you. Yeah, January the 6th, 1991. I was born on February the 26th. I forgot about that. Thank you for that. That's how long yeah. ago that was. And like, I mean, I have no hair left. Do you know what I mean? So that's a long time. Whoa. Congratulations to the Bengals fans. Good crack to interact on Twitter. Did you hear, you really heard the NFL it. Network build-up or the broadcast build-up where they were kind of mentioning about last time the Bengals won a game, text messaging hadn't been invented, mobile phones were still bricks, and only four players on the Bengals team were alive. That was a pretty ultimate burn. Yeah, Joe, Joe Burrow, only 25 years of age, so he would have been born when GCSE Mars 2000, no, 1997. 97, yeah? 96, 97? Okay. Well, moving well, on. Moving sorry. on. No, we need to get to this game. Yeah, one more point. Yeah, one more point. And this is more so for teams who have has, who are struggling <laughs> and looking for new head coaches. You, the great thing, and Colin Marvin's alluded to, the great thing about the NFL is they won four, I can't recall, was it four or five games last year? And look where they are. Now, you know, and they're in a, a divisional round potentially with an opportunity to go to the championship game. It gives hope for teams that are struggling, drafts, free agency, that they can essentially get their season, their fortunes turned around within 12 months. Absolutely. And the two players, I don't want to focus on two players because I am going to move on in halfway during the sentence, but, you know, Burrow, Chase, incredible. And we can look at them both. You know, chasing his first year and Burrow in his second year. Burrow didn't even play half of last season. And we can see where they're at. And that brings us in to the next game that we're going to recap. Uh, the Buffalo Bills column defeated the New England Patriots uh, at uh, whatever it's called at the minute. Is it Highmark Stadium or something? Um, it was an interesting game. Um, I have a statement to read out after everyone talks. Goodbye. Um, it was more than an interesting game. It was quite possibly the greatest offensive performance we've ever seen for the first time in um nfl history a team didn't have a fourth down didn't punt didn't kick a field goal were perfect on third downs uh, josh allen was unbelievable a quite clearly um as peter king rightly pointed out the best game of his young career and there's nothing um that comes close to this they were absolutely brilliant it reminded me of the beatdown that the 49ers put on the, the Broncos um, when we couldn't lay a glove on Montana and Rice and that team. The, the, they had Nobody would have had an answer to what the Bills did the other night. This was like 30 years of frustration. This was somebody who had been bullied for years and years and they grew up and they turned around and boy, did they um, dish it out. And this is what, like, we talk about so much the quarterback being, you know, it's unlike any other position in sports. And for Josh Allen, um, this was a transcendental performance. He did everything you could possibly want. The, this was reward for the Bills in going up and getting him and building around him. My only my only hope for them um, is that you 
that this isn't it, that they can continue um, along the, the journey because how do you top that particular performance? Um, and I don't want it to be. And Mark, you may know the, the is it, uh, uh, in Greek mythology, there's a story of somebody who um, the, the fruit and he constantly tries to grab the fruit, but he can't get it. And he constantly tries to get to drink the water and he can't get the water. And I hope that won't be the case. Uh, for the the Bills in their search uh, for um, uh, a Super Bowl, but absolutely brilliant um, on uh, on Saturday night. A couple of things from the Patriots side, because the economy and fairness have pretty much summed up how how well the Bills played at seven drives in a row, seven touchdowns. I mean, and even their run game was efficient and started with Singletary running in two touchdowns. Um, I was surprised, and these are small things, right? It's not going to impact on the game. Bearing in mind what we watched, I was surprised that the Patriots deferred on this, on the, uh, on the, uh, the toss of the coin. I know you always tend to do that, Mark, but bearing in mind where he's there, the crowd start like the first drive, the Patriots had, they actually went up and down the field, and then obviously there's the interception. Tom Mac Jones, despite the get difficult night that he had, I thought he played well and showed justified to pick. And I just felt he should have taken the ball force and try to stifle that crowd because if you score forced. I'm not saying it would have been a different game, but you certainly put pressure on them to allow them to have the ball go down and score so quickly. It was a bad move. And then the Patriots' defence, which for large parts of the season we spoke so highly of, they look very, very tired, lethargic. And some of the players who have been so key to that defence over the years and the like Kite coming back after not playing last year and stuff, they look so jaded. They just couldn't keep up. They were like, we saw it over the last month, touched on it in the previous show. One team was going one way. And your team was going another way since they played each other, and that was evident in what we saw on Saturday. And for a Bills team that we felt last year potentially were just a little bit short going into Kansas City in that championship game, they'd been there in week five. They beat them 38 20. I know it was when Mahomes was, was struggling. He threw into two interceptions that, that night. But if the Bills play like they did then, and certainly like what they did this weekend, you'd have to think they'd be the give the Chiefs a serious run on Sunday night. Late game, going to be a great one. But um, yeah, it was a very, very impressive performance, which kind of pretty much cements <clears throat> that Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, will certainly be a head coach in the league next year. Because, and maybe even maybe even Fraser, the defensive coordinator, because on both sides of the ball they were terrific. Uh, I think you. I think it was Tantalus you're thinking of, um, Colin. From yes, the, it was. It was Tantalus. Tantalizing. Yes. Yeah, um, and the Bills were certainly tantalizing. They were spectacular. They were superb. Um, in many respects. I mean, the, the New England Patriots defense, for many Pats fans, there was this fear about, we don't think they're that good necessarily. They were absolutely exploited by Josh Allen in week 16. He just walked up and down the field on them. Dak Prescott did the same in week six. And there was always this fear, mm, is this what's going to happen? And to be honest, you, you heard it, even the mood from many Patriots fans was like, oh, we think Belichick can find some magic. We think, we hope, we pray. Um, I think I said, I mean, of course I picked the Patriots on our review show, but Michael, you can listen back because I'm at least consistent in what I say, uh, unlike others on this show. Um, so I'm very consistent. And I said very clearly, I said, there is no reason why the Patriots should win this game, but I'm going with them anyway, and I think they could do it. The good thing for me in one respect is um, this is definitely still feels like the start of something, not the end of something. Of course, it's one of the biggest beatdowns in playoff history. Michael, you're a Broncos fan. You know a lot about that. You, you tend to get your asses whooped every time in the playoffs. But still, at least the Patriots made the playoffs again. And, of course, Mac Jones, he didn't perform as everybody wanted him to. 
He competed, though. He wasn't overawed. That first drive, I mean, he made some great completions on third down, got one with his legs, got one with his arm. And on the interception, I'd love to fault him for it, but it's just an amazing play by Micah Hyde. Aguilar could have gone up for it more. Jones could have put it slightly better. Once that inception happened, the Bills went up 14-0, though. It was pretty clear where the game was going. Um, the one thing I have to criticise him on, though, is you get to half time, 24-3, no one's winning anything. Like, you're gone. Like, the game is over. He has to, and the Patriots had to put at least some more points on the ball to make it. If that's 24-10, 24-13, you get in the ball in the second half, as Brian alluded to, maybe there's some hope. And I've criticized Rodgers and the Packers in the past in relation to this as saying, like, oh, you give out about conference championships, blame the defense. You're responsible for the zero or the three on your side of the ball. Um, so blame should be shared. But, like, I mean, what can you say? Like, the Patriots didn't show up. The Bills absolutely annihilated them. But it's easier than, say, the wild card loss to the Ravens in 2009 because that felt like the end of something. It's easier than losing to the Titans a couple of years ago because that felt like the end of something. It's definitely the start of something. Josh Allen... By year three, we're willing to write him off. He's turned into one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Mac Jones made the playoffs in the first year. So I can look forward with positivity to the future. Obviously disappointed, as you can imagine. But, you know, these things happen. Wasn't a game. Fair play to the Bills. Um, I actually have a whole thing written out here, and I'll, I'll say this later on, but just, like, you can't compare that to my team. Like you know, I, my, my, I know my team weren't in the playoffs. No, no, I went into that game. Like, no, I'm just saying, I, 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 I went into that game going. We can this do be interesting. How many Super Bowls? How many different games? Actually, six, you lost six in 20 years. The New England Patriots have won so. six Super Bowls in 20 years. Now, my argument is here, and this is actually how it ends. The issue is if this was any other team in any other division with any other head coach and any other owner to put that money into that team, it would be front and center on ESPN this morning. The fact that it isn't is the issue. The defense didn't leave Logan Airport. I mean, where do we go? If we went, what, eight straight quarters without we'll forced the punt against the Bills? Josh Allen, to be fair to him, had a perfect game. But, you know, you know, this Patriots team have went from the epitome of greatness to, okay, Mac Jones, right? He had a decent game. Is he anywhere near the level? Or will he get to the level of the guys that need to take you over that edge to the divisional, to the championship, to the Super Bowl? I don't know. Uh but if I'm Robert Kraft, I'm sitting there going. Sorry, I sorry, mean, it is going to be really very interesting. To, I have also. to clarify this. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Are you saying the Bill Belichick's job should be under question? No, absolutely not. Absolutely okay. not. Okay. That's not I saying. have not said that. I have not said that whatsoever. Now, I do think, and I have this written down, if Belichick can get this team to a divisional or, or AFC championship next year, it's probably up there with his greatest achievements because the man looked like a beaten man on Sunday. The team. The way, sorry, on Saturday, the way the team, especially the defense, played on Saturday was, I, I was stunned at how much of a blowout it was. I thought it would be a win, but I didn't think they bloody blow them out. And um, I, I look, he looked like a beaten man. He obviously's come back and said he's going to be here next year and stuff. Do I think he can turn that round, like to to maybe replicate what he like? Who, who could replicate what he's done before? Do I think he could win the Super Bowl with that team with that quarterback? No, I don't, to be honest with you. And like, let's see what happens. But Jesus, it's it's the Bills division. Fair play to the Bills. They obviously deserved the win on Sunday or Saturday night. There was some pauses there with Mac Jones. I mean, there's been a lot of people commenting this year, and there was people commenting at the start of December about the Patriots. They they had wrapped the division up. I mean, 
I'll call it Portnoy for a start. Like Jesus, lads. Like I, I look, Mark. I, I don't want to offend you, but it is what it is. I don't know. Well, Michael, the reason, with all due respect to fans out there who of these teams, the reason why ESPN ain't going to be going going too heavy in the pages because all they want to do is blow smoke up Joe Burrow and uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen's backsides for the next week and talk about the, them playing in the games next weekend. And when we did our season preview, I know you did. I didn't select them. You didn't. Colin and um, Mark selected the pages to be a wild card. To me, that was the expectation for the season going in. Get to the playoffs would be a bonus, but certainly look to be encouraged by what they see. They went heavy in free agency. John Smith probably, to me, hasn't really materialised to what they expected. Hunter Henry is a great, great signing. They are aware that we we talk, give or take. They'd be, they'd get to the playoffs and then quickly go home. And that's the reality of the situation. Did it help that they were playing the Bills? Probably not. The Bills at this stage have sussed out the Patriots. They, they had them sussed after the, the first game. I even said after the first game, despite the win, Josh Allen still had the ball to win it and he still missed field goals in that game. They easily could have ran them three times over. But the air where we expected, I, I, the Patriots will be okay. I'm not concerned about the Patriots. Okay. Um, Mark, would you throw more money at it this year? Would you get? Would you bring in a few more veterans or what does Bill Belichick have to do? A new system or what? No, he doesn't need a new system. He needs more players. There's no speed in the front seven. There's a lot of work still to be done. JC Jackson and what they're going to do in def- and defense is going to be key. But it's like anything else. They've got to continue to build through the draft. They had a half-decent draft in 2020. They had a good draft, you would say, this year with Stevenson, Barmore, and Jones. And it's like any Think back a few years ago, Michael, to the, the Saints. They finished the season 8-8. Eight and eight. They were in salary cap hell. I know that's like every season for the Saints. And all of a sudden, they went to the draft, and they drafted Kamara. They drafted, I think, Lattimore. They drafted two starting guards in that one draft and all of a sudden you had all these great starters on rookie contracts it's always the draft the draft is the answer for everyone the draft is the answer for every team whether you've gone 12 and well 12 and 5 now i suppose or 5 and 12 so they have to hit it and they have to hit free agency as well but yeah i mean it's still the bills division like that's the reality of life and it will be next year as well H.C. Jackson is a, is, a, is a huge one. I think I think he might walk in, in free agency because I think he'll get well paid. Um, and I think teams within the division might be the ones going after him because sometimes when you're playing against the player, you know what you're up against. I see the Jets maybe with a lot of cap space being serious players. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I'd, I'd franchise tag him, Brian, but, you know, my team are gone now. We've got a few left in the, the, the playoffs, so we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that in the offseason. I will just say to finish off, I, I am intrigued to see how Robert Kraft takes the offseason. Um, there, there was a podcast last week with a certain player that, that openly came out and said he wasn't happy. So I'm just intrigued. It makes it makes great competitive sense if the Patriots are to challenge for the East and, ha- and have a great team. Uh, I just think if there are veterans out there, I'm not going to say a quarterback, but I, I think Kraft will throw the kitchen sink at it. He's an 80-year-old man that wants an offer. So just don't be surprised if they make a stunning move for someone in the offseason. Uh, I don't I don't think so because Kraft doesn't control that. He leaves it to Belichick and Belichick I know he doesn't but like advantage of a, a, a different situation last year. So I think yes. he'll make some moves in free agency but he'll be back to normal business. Let's see what happens. Uh well at least we didn't fall out. Uh okay Sunday brought the Eagles against the Bucks now I promised if the Eagles beat the Bucks that I would go to Belfast tonight basically and do the rocky thing up i was actually going to do it um and i had it all planned out up the storm and steps like up the hill 
and like maybe go like that there and like try and get like an MLA involved or somebody involved, but it just didn't happen. Um, you know, I slagging Colin the Patriots there for not getting past Logan. I mean, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, what the hell was that from Philadelphia yesterday? Because my God, that was bad. I, that was bad. Yeah, it was awful. It was the toughest watch of the the weekend. Um, there's there's really very um, little positives that the um, Eagles can take from it. Uh, for everyone else, it was a, a case of um, you know, unfortunately, laughing at Jalen Rigor again. Um, and you know, I think there is a contractual obligation on us all to point out that he was taken before Justin Jefferson. Um, for the the Bucks, this is about watching the Tristan Worse injury and how bad is, is that because that is the you know the the thing. I mean, it was obvious. Look, it was obvious from the first two minutes. Um, you know uh, that that this game was just going to to go one way. The thing that um, I suppose surprised me, and I think. Um, around the league right this year we've seen an awful lot of this bend don't break defense right this kind of Vic Fangio inspired um, idea of slowing down the likes of Mahomes and Herbert and the Eagles in their infinite wisdom decided to do that to Tom Brady yesterday that is the worst the literally the worst thing you could do the guy who has made his career off of being the best at taking whatever the defense gives him allowed him to pick whatever and do whatever he wanted to to do i mean how 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 do you not game plan for tom brady how does that not become the singular thing that you do and it was oh it was far too late when they did respond they finally began to get so, some pressure on him the only way that you beat brady is you get pressure on him you hope he has a, a bad day and you hope that you know you have the almost a, a perfect game yourself but if you're not going to get any pressure on tom brady forget about it just a nightmare on on offense a nightmare on defense and a nightmare on special teams um the least interesting game i think people were calling for it to be over i saw tweets uh from the end of the first quarter people were like please can we just end this two defensive coordinators there yesterday one who hasn't changed schemes throughout the season Colin, not just yesterday when they were getting put up big points against them never addressed that never in-game management remains the same. And then this, this Yuller who put eight in the box yesterday and essentially stopped the main point of the Eagles' offense, which is their run game. So one of them is getting a lot of interest for a head coaching position, and the other is not so much. And that obviously is the Eagles guy, Jonathan Gannon, yeah, because that makes sense. Um, and then we have Goodell, uh, Jalen Hortz yesterday. Even Troy Aikman called it out during the, during the commentary. Troy, who wasn't a very happy man because he was in Florida as opposed to being in Dallas. Um, he called out that even when uh, Hortz had players... Um, running routes, he still can't. He, he can't make the throw. He can only make the throw when a player is two yards on, two yards free. And even then, he was overthrown because the reality is, if you take away the run game and ask Jalen Horst to beat you, it's never going to happen. It, the game played out exactly as I said it would in the show. It would be an absolute blowout. And uh, we talk about the pages getting blown out, but this one was real. Like the score, twenty-one fifteen. I mean, come on, it could have been. They could have put forty fifty up if they really wanted it. Brady really probably should have came out again, but the competitor there he is, he wanted to play the entirety of the game. Why didn't he come out of the game? The man's 150 years of age. Why did he not come out of the game? Serious question. It's competitive nature of the man. That's the only thing I can think of because Bruce Herring should be saying, get off the field. But um, 
what if he is and what if he's not coming off the field? I mean, that's a problem, though. Or maybe I'm just being really pessimistic. It's not that conversation. Brady's done that for all his career. Like, there was a game uh, for the Pats. I think (laughs) Castle came in against Dolphins. I'm going back to, like, 06 here. Threw an interception, which was a pick six. Brady probably comes back into the game. They were still up by 21 at the time. But it's it's just constantly been part of his career. There was a game last year, I think, against the Jets for the Pages. Maybe sorry, it was last season for the for the Pages where they brought in the backup and he threw in a pick six immediately and he was whipped out straight away and Brady came straight back in. All, um, all of the all of those kind of QBs do that. There's the famous what has become a gif of Brock Osweiler putting on his getting his helmet and thinking he's going in and then look turning by the time he gets the helmet, <laughs> Peyton Manning's back on the field. Brady wants to put up the sort of stats that nobody's going to touch. And you get that because everything is so stats obsessed now um, that he wants to go into the stratosphere. I mean, when you look at like the, the career wins that he has, like Brady has more playoff wins what was this, uh, than, than many teams. But I saw today, playoff Tom Brady would be third all time passing yards for the Bears. I joked with Todd Balls there because he's not getting the uh, – well, he is getting head coaching opportunities or interviews, but not to the level of in, uh, as Jonathan Gannon is. Like, he was run out of Jets and he had a very difficult time there. But, I mean, what he's done in Tampa, he certainly deserves to be back as a head coach in the league. And I, it will, it's only a matter of time, I'd imagine. But, uh, look, it was a comfortable night, comfortable day for, for the books. And the weather, which everybody speculated on, never really came to pass. It was, it was windy, but not to the extent that we thought it would be. Well, Brian, I thought it was going to be closer. And to me, you could look at that game and for people looking at the Bucks going forward, you could take it with what you want. You could look at it glass half full, you could look at it glass half empty. If you want to look glass half full, they absolutely dominated the first half. They locked down a limited quarterback and limited offense. The defense was everywhere swarming. The offense was clicking. Brady, apart from a couple of miscues with some of the younger receivers, um, was getting the ball out where he wanted, what he wanted. The offense was just moving down the field. Uh, and, of course, when the Eagles keep muffing punts and kickoffs as well, it kind of helps in terms of your field position as well. So that's not going to be a bad piece. But towards the end of the half and the start of the second half, that offense just stopped working because the Eagles decided to put pressure on. And my thought going into it was this might be closer because when it gets to third down, Brady's going to look for Gronk, he's going to look for Evans, he's not going to trust anyone else with the ball. And that's what started to happen. There was like, I think, three drives in a row, third down sacks the Eagles got to close the drives. Um, yes, that was impacted because worse was out, but it was impacted because they have more limited options on offense. Equally, while the defense was impressive, Shaq, uh, Shaq Barrett's leaping salmon interception deserves a particular note, I think, batting it up to himself and then rumbling on a bit. It was just the athleticism for someone that was... Uh, questionable going into the game was a joy to see um but you can say they took the fill of the accelerator but they did let in 15 points unanswered uh or i think it was unanswered but it it started to ease up and you kind of go well that defense could be exploited so if you're looking half empty you're saying the weaknesses were on show if you're looking half full you say ah they had the game won effectively and they started to take their foot off the accelerator or start to tone it down a little bit um, I just think it creates an, you know, an enthralling and intriguing piece for the Bucks going forward. In the next game, they could get demolished or they could be the demolisher. And I wouldn't actually be surprised either way in that regard. 
Um, Jalen Hurts came in out afterwards. I mean, what is he trying to be like David Hay, Aaron Rodgers, uh, various people who are like, oh, look at my injury. I was fine, but I was injured at the same token. Um, I've said it all along. I don't trust him as a QB. And I think the Eagles have a fascinating set of decisions to make in the draft coming up now. Three mid-round first rounders. I don't think quarterback's the way to go. I think they're almost wedded to Hurts for another season. But what do you do with those mid-rounders? I would trade down. I would try to trade one into next year. I would try to trade for more second and third round picks. It's supposed to be a deep draft. They have the capital, though. And maybe they go a different way. Maybe they surprise us all uh, in relation to it. But they've certainly got um, options to play with. I love the game. Really entertaining game. Um, didn't arm my clothes the seven thirty at all for an hour. Uh, before I talk about the game, the Bucks are playing the Cardinals or the Rams next week on a certain day at a certain time, eight PM on Sunday. Uh, well, first off, there was a number of tweets last night talking about injuries and about you know how the number one seed is precious and why are the NFL having Super Wild Card? They're having a Super Wild Card week because there's literally a seven month off season. And it's one game, and it's the rules. So if your team isn't good enough to be the first seed, that's fine. Hell, I would prefer if my team played, because let's see what the benefit is between having that week off or not. And we'll see next week. We'll see if the Titans and the, and the Packers go out and dominate both teams. Something tells me they won't. So we'll, we'll come back to that on Friday night. I agree with you, Michael. In, in terms of, I agree with yeah, you, like, you said. I made the point last night, the reason you're not number one seed, we know which team we're referring to. Is it the reason you're not number one seed is because you choked a couple of weeks ago. That's the uh, reason. I'm, I'm referring to the Packers as well. Like the Packers fans were saying last night, uh, oh, the, the number one seed is, is so important. There's loads, of, there's loads of stuff here. Like there's multiple teams, fans teams going, this is a disgrace. Yeah, of course, obviously the Chiefs and, and, and obviously as well um, and i just say every every team's fan base has fans who have very very differing opinions and some fans who are very vocal about said opinions i don't think every fan of said uh franchises maybe subscribes to those but yeah you, you definitely social media has led to some interesting opinions being uh spread forth the Bucks were a wild card last year. We've seen six seeds win the Super Bowl as a wild card. I know it's seven seeds, it's probably even more difficult in the long run, yeah. but it happens. But I think Brian, that's what, but that's what I was going to say. I remember back when they were people were giving out about six seeds, six seeds, six seeds. We've had the Steelers win it as a six seed. We've had the Giants win it as a six seed twice, I think, actually, or your fifth seed once. You had the Bucks win it last year as a six seed. At some point, and it's not obviously this season, the Eagles and the Steelers were showing up badly. But a seven seed will go on a run, get to a conference championship, get maybe to a Super Bowl and things like that. And everyone will go, oh, well, it's good that that hot team still was able to make it into the playoffs. Just, yeah, play play to the rules and play to whatever places there are and win the games in front of you. Yeah, talking about social media, we've got a comment from uh, Garincha, who I think is an Eagles fan, saying the worst game by Sirianni hurts in special teams. Run game stuffed and nothing on offense. Hashtag high time. The point that I was going to make is this. Um, Right. Well, last like, you're talking about the Eagles in the draft next year. I mean, not that long ago. It's, just, it's not that long ago, boys. Right? Um, they they drafted somebody in the, the first round, tenth pick, called Devonta Smith. Now, usually the aim would be to to maybe get the ball to him. Like I know he had sixty yards yesterday, but Jesus, lads, come on, come on! Like, and then on the other side of the ball, I 
Like this this worst injury is concerning for the Bucks. Um, I if I'm the Bucks, I'm I'm praying to God Arizona get a result tonight because I think that I I don't want to give away my pick yet, but I can't like. Oh, then again, they have got the Golden quarterback, so let, let, let's see what happens. And Mark, it's great for you because you're in one week and you're in the other week, so you're happy enough. Yeah, on Devontae Smith, actually, there was a point where I was thinking that we needed a milk carton and put his face on it, just, you know, because he was a missing man. And what is going they, on there? Like? I can't remember who was on the call, but they were going like, just throw it to Devontae Smith. Throw, use your, your threat there. But Hurts can't. He can't challenge them down the field. So you stop and blow up all those screens and all that misdirection, gone. Gone. And um, everybody hurts. Sometimes it's all about hurting. Uh, we've got the Dallas Cowboys against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, so far, sorry, by the way, uh, me and Colin, I actually text Colin. <laughs> we were solid. Three for row on our picks. And I was going happy to keep her let, keep her let. Uh, anyway, uh, the Cowboys defeated by the 49ers last night. And for a neutral, I, I would class myself as a neutral. I don't think all four of us can say that in here. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed this game. It was atrocious at points. It was amazing at points. It was crap at other points. But, Colin, it started off with uh, the 49ers walking out to Jumbo Breakfast Roll, and it ended with arguably one of the weirdest decisions I have ever seen by a quarterback that gets paid multi multi-million dollars and quite frankly for him that's the last thing he's going to do until until what about eight and a half months time on the field surely the words that he portrayed after that game are all wash and people can see through that well i'll start with the the good because debo samuel is amazing he is brilliant and i am delighted that we get to see more debo samuel and debo was the reason that i went with the 49ers because i didn't think the cowboys were going to be able to to handle him tackling debo is unlike tackling any other receiver any other running back he is um Javante Williams uh, in uh, running back receiver uh, form. I saw somebody suggesting that uh, maybe if Nick Bosa isn't good to go, they can uh, try him on the edge next week as well. And you wouldn't put anything past him at this point. Um, For look, where where do you start? The the call, the the QB draw. um, Yeah, it's, it's not a bad call. If you have double the amount of time left, um, but otherwise, I mean, it was always going to end disastrously. And then the whole thing, trying to pin it on the the refs, um, the comments about um, the fans throwing stuff. Look, it's it's a mess. You, where do you begin with with everything that went wrong yesterday? The sunshine, the the inability of players to to see anything, the play after the the fake punt. The, the 14 penalties, the fact that like Mike McCarthy is still in situ. And I mean, I go back to Mike McCarthy's opening press conference. Sometimes opening press conferences set the scene. Um, Vic Fangio, death by inches. Mike McCarthy admitting that he lied to Jerry Jones when he said that he'd watched all of the Cowboys uh, 2019 tape. Um, well, well, Mike, uh, may, maybe you should have watched more tape because whatever happened yesterday was just um, a, a disaster look there there's there's so much uh that you could dissect in it the, the 49ers will go on but 
the concern for them is uh, around Warner and around Nick Bosa. Will they be good to to go next week? That is something to to keep an eye on. Well, look, the Cowboys played the Cardinals a couple of weeks back, and they had eleven penalties in that game. And for three three uh, okay, for three quarters uh, in the game, they were non-existent offensively. And for large parts of yesterday's game, it was very similar. Uh, Dak was sacked five times. He had an interception. The offensive line, which has been so good for for a long time and so consistent, struggled yesterday. You know, the, the front seven got to the Cowboys all day long, and they couldn't manage it. They couldn't handle it. For, as you said, 14 penalties, the second most in playoff history. You know, and again, they're complaining about the referees, but 65% of the penalties were actually false starts, uh, illegal formations, stuff that they can resolve themselves as opposed to blaming referees. I felt, I said that we saw the 49ers not play any any game ball for two weeks in the first half. Well, yesterday it was kind of a, a double over because they played really well in the first half and did very little in the second half. And when Jimmy G had the game there to win, there was two particular players, three players essentially, because the one that was overthrown, there was the one that um, was intercepted. And then there was the one at the end today that was saying actually it was his fault because he didn't line up the players correctly in the right positions. And as for the play at the end, they said that play needed 16 seconds to work. They only had 14 seconds. And Kellen Moore, who seems to be another hot shot for an, of a head coach, in, you know, in the offing, well, he struggled down the stretch, hasn't he? And uh, Dak, I, I kind of don't mind Dak's comments about the, the fans. I get it. Like it's, I know it's not what you want to hear, but he's obviously disappointed and it's it's raw. It's only 15, 20 minutes after the game. So I can understand that. But... um. Yeah, McCarthy's in, is under pressure, but I still think they'll keep keep all of them from the rear. Sorry, the, the best bit about Dak's comments that everybody's overlooking is what was Nick said to him. So he makes the comments about how it's a disgrace. Oh, I know, yeah. And course, the reporters yeah. then said, no, the fans were actually throwing the rubbish at the officials. And Dak was straight out of Ireland because he said, oh, credit to them then. So I, I, I actually meant it was I was channeling Roy King going, oh, credit to them, I'll credit and to Mar- them. And, like, and Mark, it, was, it was brilliant. Mark, was, they, doubled, they doubled down on that 10 minutes later because another journalist came back and said, just to be clear, you're actually saying that you've no issue what the fans are doing. And he said, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Yeah, I actually meant what he said at the very start. He said it wasn't good enough and that he wasn't good enough. I don't want to quote Greta Thunberg here, Mark, but... Blah 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 blah. This and I'll talk about more in a minute. But this team was set up to win this. Like this team will never be at like the, the amount of players that they're going to lose now. Restructuring um, to take place. Oh, this, no, it was a, it was a high ceiling for this team. They've got they've got some players that are coming up. I mean, look, if you're a Cowboys fan, do you feel a bit a bit aggrieved? Like everyone can moan about the refs. Like the refs, I didn't call them. <laughs> Column did pick the Niners. This was genuinely, I, I hope I said it on the other day, but this was genuinely a game I could see going out, but either way. And I ultimately went my head over my heart, which is a terrible mistake. Um, but I didn't think the Cowboys were going to turn up so limp, frankly. I mean, that first quarter, they didn't show up. They weren't there. There was no passion. There was no drive. They were letting the 49ers walk all over them. They were taking four steps on defense in every second because they were buying every bit of misdirection from Carl Shannon. Um, it looked like they hadn't been coached up properly for it. It was 10 yards, 11 yards, 10 yards, 11 yards, that first drive. It was painting by numbers. And 
you know, Randy Gregory getting called on two uh, encroachment penalties or offside penalties when it could have been a full start against, you know, Trent Williams. I mean, um, yeah, that that was there are things that, you know, for one fan base is going to see it one way. The other fan base is going to see it the other way, to be really frank about it. I mean, it sets up fascinating things next week because the 49ers going back into the Packers. The Packers don't want to see the 49ers. They've seen that story a few times before. They've had that pain a few times before. So that's yeah. intriguing, to say the least. Um, what else do I have on this game? Oh, um, yeah, there you go. Two, two, two men with some interesting hairstyles. Um, jealousy, jealousy, I know. Absolutely. Um, not, not at all. It would be too much hassle to watch. And that's true. Um, first quarter, I did want to say, you. everybody's giving Kellen Moore a hard time. One play would have enhanced his reputation more than anything. I have often lamented the fact that there's not more laterals in the NFL. I understand why it's a dangerous play and possession of the ball is more important than anything. So that play on third down, where the idea was to free someone out, draw the defense in and lateral across, and you could throw him towards the sideline so you can say there's a limited risk. I mean, it was horrendous execution, but it was fascinating attempt and fascinating idea. They pulled off a hook and ladder later in the game as well, which is always interesting to see. But, yeah, towards the end, I mean, how long did the last couple of minutes go on for? And how many times did the 49ers nearly throw it away? The full start that was called on the fourth and one sneak was almost inexcusable um, clock management at various times. But, yes, Dax decision will be dwelt on but it never would have had it to dwell on if the 49ers had closed out properly brian's alluded to the inception alluded to the fact that they started waning in relation to it but what a start what explosion what a great game great for neutral great to see um yeah bring it on next week it's going to be fascinating um they need players back though um brian you alluded to the injuries bosa missed the entire second half wagner missed I think about eight minutes of the fourth quarter, that's going to be the pain for them. Uh, if they yeah, don't they're, get them. they're both expected to play, but I think it could, we, could see a, we could see a similar scenario to what we saw last year in the same round of the playoffs where Aaron Donald played, but he wasn't effective. Yeah. And you're going into Lambo. That's the concern now for the 49. And, and um, just to say, because you know um, Samuel gets all the credit, but Mitchell had a really good game as well, and Ayuk. Um, I was trying to make something work about Ali G instead of I. It's Ayuk, but no, it it will it, be stretching it. Jesus, um, I think that's a good point to leave it at there. I mean, my God, Ali G. Uh, look, this is the Forty Nineers team that referred the NC West, so that's for people that were commenting last night. Oh, it's incredible. That's why they were playing last night. Again, I, I'm going to try and get away from this whole issue here. Uh, where do we start here? Where, Jesus, where do we start here? Uh, Jerry Jones thinking he has the audacity to walk up to the press immediately after the game as if he as if he's the quarterback. I mean, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold up. Wait a minute, Oprah, February 2020, uh, 2021. Look, the Irish Cowboys group uh, have interacted with us all year. They deserve better from their team last night, and we, and we really appreciate your support. So none of this is personal, lads. I, I know you understand that. I mean, Jerry Jones embarrassed himself at the end of the game last night. What the hell was that? Uh, going back to what I said at the start about, you know, Dak Prescott, there's there's one thing at the end of this whole decision about <laughs> I I've uh, in my life I have never seen that. But if he's gonna start blaming the refs, if you watch it back, the refs literally done everything they could to help. They they got around, they tried to they tried to get the ball down. 
But where do you start? The excuses went from the get-go. Ezekiel Elliott coming out and saying that he, uh, he played for an injury. Right, Grant. Why every, every, every team is playing through injuries at this stage. Ah, here. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's just like the, the fact that like I, I go back to the first quarter. Uh, looking back in it now, <laughs> the game was over then. Jesus, the, the 49ers boys on in the first quarter last night looked like they could beat God Almighty Himself. And there's no wonder people are commenting tonight saying that the, that the Packers would want the Cowboys next week. They wouldn't um, play the they wouldn't play the Cowboys next week. I think that's why. The, yeah, they, yeah. they would have wanted. They thought they were going to get the Rams at the cards, and that's what they were hoping for. Yeah. Well, this is going to be a very interesting game because the way that some people and I respect for both franchises, the way that some people are talking on Twitter, Dan is we're we're not we're, we're not talking about Irish people here, but people around the world talking about this Packers team. This is going to be a hell of a game, hell of a game. But uh, you mentioned Debo, you mentioned Mitchell. Uh, and you mentioned Brandon Egg in a game where George Kittle only had one reception for 18 yards. The 49ers still get over the line. I don't know what they were doing at the end. I don't know what happened with this with the measurement of the ball because that ball looked like it moved at the end. It looked like it was moved. Uh, and I don't know what happened there, but I feel like um, we can take our hats off here. I think I feel like Dak Prescott robbed us of a Hail Mary full of grace. Or two Hail Marys, or maybe three Hail Marys. I tell you what, the Cowboys are going to have to say some penance for that for the next eight or nine months because that was atrocious at the end. I would have loved more than any other man to see Dak Prescott go down and throw it for a Hail Mary, Jerry Jones going berserk, and then for them to then get absolutely annihilated next week. It would have been great crack just for the sheer crack of it for another week, but it's over for another year. Uh, in terms of McCarthy, <laughs> Alan Moore. Uh, Dan Quinn, I mean, look, I, I'll, I'll take Dan Quinn at my team. And that's all I have to say. Hard luck to Cowboys fans. You deserve better than that. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you can do next year because clearly when you have guys like Mika Parsons and players that are getting paid a gazillion dollars like Doc Prescott, you should be doing better than the wildcard game. Uh, let's see what happens. So just, just so we're clear, Dak didn't make that call on his own. He That play was called in. And the analytics, yeah, yeah. The, the analytics today came out and said, it was the right call because never taken away the time left on the clock. They felt two um, Hail Marys as opposed to getting the ball to the 25-yard line, give or take, I can't recall exactly where it, where, it fit, where it ended up, would allow them to essentially spread that entire end zone and then they could have missed, mixed and matched and potentially got a touchdown. They felt that was the better option to have one What was play. the clock though whenever they done it? What was they, the clock? They said, it, they said it was a 16-second play, but then they said the critical piece was Dak really could have... Call the call a halt to the play whenever he wanted, but he kept yeah. going. Um, it actually reminded me, I don't know if you, you remember this one a couple of years ago. The Chiefs were going to go for a Hail Mary against the Cowboys in that stadium, as it happens. And Andy Reid called a 20 yard throw to Tyreek Hill, and he actually ran all the way in for a touchdown because all the Cowboys guys were plotted in the end zone. So I don't know whether they were thinking something along those lines for that particular play, and they would that would go all the way, not probably unlikely, but they felt he should have called a halt to the play. And then finally, it, it was disappointing for a Cowboys fan in many ways because to see Razor Ruddock on the sideline looking extremely disappointed at the end, as opposed to the coach. I don't know what they did with McCarthy, but they flew, they flew Razor Ruddock into Garth Brooks. Game. Garth Brooks. No, Razor Ruddock all day long. <laughs> I would say I, I, this, yeah, the, the, the two things that must be emphasized about the execution of that. And they've, they've come out and they said, oh, no, no, we practice this all the time. We practice this all the time. It's like, 
yeah, well, if Dak starts to slide a yard or two sooner, you maybe get that second back. But most importantly, and most critically, we gave Chase Claypool crap earlier in the year for celebrating instead of handing the ball to the official. Dak Prescott is a quarterback in the National Football League. He's played football since Pee Wee. He's played all the way through college. The one thing you always do in this situation is you give the ball to the official. The official has to touch the ball before the game can restart. You don't hand it to your center. Like that's that's two seconds gone. Find the official. There, he's got stripes on. You should be able to see him. That's the execution that was needed in relation to it. And the other, the last thing, and we should move on, and I'm sure Cowboys fans are reliving their pain many, many moons over, and 49ers fans are rightfully enjoying this. But can I just say, can Tony Romo do the commentary on every single Cowboys playoff game forevermore? Because when they start off and they kind of go like, oh, there's this crazy stat, Tony, about the Cowboys haven't scored a touchdown in the first quarter at home in their last seven playoff games. And he seriously sits there and just like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, Jim, without acknowledging the fact that he was the bloody quarterback for several of those games. (laughs) (laughs) That is comedy gold in itself for me. Oh, he was comedy gold on New York Sports today. It was it was very enjoyable. Snippets from his commentary yesterday. The decimal levels that went up in the fourth quarter, only for that last play. It'll be fine. It'll be fine, Jim. It'll be fine. Oh, it's not fine. The game's over. <laughs> only two more games of Tony left this year. And Jim, I can't wait to get Jim on in the. That has to be our goal in the offseason. Let's bookmark this now. Twenty-two thirty-eight, the seventeenth of January. <laughs> we need to get Jim Nance on this show in the offseason, pre or post Masters. Hello, friends. Can I just very quickly say there, there is a question here, but just, just very quickly, and there's actually those comments. Actually, sorry, boys, I'll get them read out on Twitter now. Twitter last night was sensational crack. The, the, the crack was a hundred boys, it wasn't 90 last night. And thanks to everyone that got involved. If anybody hasn't seen um Stephen S. Smith today on ESPN, go go watch it because it's unbelievable it is sensational i haven't even I haven't even had a chance to see skip and shannon yet uh roland lynch says debo with a, like a heel emoji joe nannery says mccarthy has a form for thacking things up ask the cheese head fan base uh roland again saying niners are consistently inconsistent badger oldfield says the cowboys give away more laundry than dot cotton <laughs> oh yeah because she works in the laundry Dot Cotton, that's a good one. Uh, and Ryan Young, do you think the draw was supposed to be a shorter run, but Dak got a bit greedy and went too long? Yeah, uh, yeah. Will, will we all be it's, in agreement there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And there. He should have called the halt to the play. We got that fun. Fa- thank you to Badger for the East Enders reference. Really enjoyed that. Love can come in many ways. It didn't come in any way last night for the Chiefs, who now go on to play the Bills at Arrowhead on um, Sunday night. That was a good save, yeah. Very, I love the, I love the way they always promote it as half 11, or sorry, half six, but the game never starts till about 20. 22, yeah. <laughs> well, I tell, you, I, I tell you what, I tell you what, yes, you're right. And I was joking with Jeff Rainbow before we came on here now. They're going on at 10 past one, and the game kicks off at a quarter past one, but it won't kick off to about 20 to two tonight. Uh, look, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that game in a minute. I actually almost forgot about that game. Colm, at one point, I, I actually stayed up, um, you might see it. The tweet I tweeted the Irish Chiefs, Pierce and Belfast. Hi, Pierce. Congratulations. Uh, saying I'm way to bed. This is over. Uh, but at one point last night, I mean, the, the Chiefs didn't didn't go into midway for the second. It doesn't really matter because they completely blew them apart after that. 
Yeah, well, that's the point, I suppose. I, I, we talked about in the preview show that I felt that the Steelers with JJ Watt um, in tow would make it more difficult than maybe people expected, and they hung around for a little while, and obviously uh, got the the defensive touchdown. But look, the if, for everyone else. You slowed Patrick Mahomes down. You made things difficult for him. You went with the too high safety look. He appears to have figured that out now. Um, and uh, so you're going to have to come up with, with something something new uh, because the, the Chiefs brought it all out last night. There was the, the pick six. There was Travis Kelsey uh, throwing a uh, touchdown pass. It it was it was all there. 40, 42 points. The the Chiefs at home they are incredibly difficult to to beat at Arrowhead. It it all sets it up perfectly, but it 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 went essentially as we expected. If Big Ben had more of an arm, if Deontay Johnson could hold on to a ball, it, he has really kind of regressed over the second half of the season he did a lot of work and there was a lot of talk and right at the beginning of the season about the work he'd done with tennis balls strapped his hand to improve his catching and it seemed to have done it but last night my god every slant pass he just he didn't do it so um look this this game was um we all figured it would be the chiefs and uh, so it proves it will be a very interesting off season in Pittsburgh uh, as they seek a, a new franchise QB. But the the Chiefs uh, will be uh, very happy with finding uh, additional depth. Pringle and McKinnon had good games as well. And Najee Harris, who was a player we felt may be a factor here. For, you know, to kind of take the pressure off Big Ben, ran for 29 yards in the game and had his first fumble of the season, you know, of all times together. But uh, seven, seven straight tries, seven straight touchdowns. It was like as if the game just got switched in the space of 10 minutes. I think I read a stat today. It was like, when you look, when you comb it down, it was actually seven touchdowns in 10 minutes of the game itself, which is quite a stat. And yeah, Mahomes earlier in the season when he was getting games like that in the first quarter and things weren't going his way, he was getting very impatient. Didn't seem to be the case last night. They punted a couple of times. It's not working now. It'll work at some stage during the game. And the interception was a tip ball, so it's hard to really put it on him. It makes for a great game next weekend because... You know, you've got these two going up against each other, and you look at the stats for the weekend. Look, we're raving about Josh Allen, you know, 30 for 39, over 400 yards, and he chose five touchdowns. Mahomes is certainly back in the groove, and it makes for a really great game next weekend. Can't wait for it. So, Bill Belichick last week was wearing a, a hoodie with danger zone on it. And uh, this was a little bit like when Maverick goes to flight school in Top Gun. You know, it's a bit slow to begin with. You know, he goes to a bar and he serenades uh, a girl with you've lost that loving feeling. He turns up the next day and they're in the classroom and there's a bit of flirting and a bit of banter. But nothing's really getting going. And all of a sudden you get to the part of the film where he gets into the F-15 and he has the need, the need for speed. And once again, the Kansas City Chiefs were full afterburners applied in relationship. Sorry, don't know what that is. Uh, <laughs> they were full was that you? Because that's really good multitasking. That was you. Whoever, if it was anybody else, you should all be a mute, boys. Um, but like, it wasn't just, and the guys just alluded to this, it wasn't just Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey for a change. You're talking about Pringle, you're talking about Hardman, you're talking about as well McKinnon. 
Robinson turning up as well. Everybody was making big plays in special teams as well, but in the rush game, in the receiving game, um, you had the fun of Kelsey throwing, you had the fun of a big man touchdown. I mean, yeah, there was a point halfway through the second quarter, you know, Steelers' defense were keeping them in it. Steelers' defense had put seven on the board, and you're kind of, you're not looking at it worried, but you're kind of like, hang on a second, are the Chiefs going to open this up now? Yeah. Mahomes finishes 30 for 39, 404, I think, 404 yards, five TDs. It was a little bit like Josh Allen threw down the gauntlet. Patrick Mahomes said, okay, bring it on. And you can't wait for those two gladiators to go into the ring next week. I mean, everyone's going to have the the you know the nice stories for Ben Roethlisberger going out the door. Like, let's face it, the first half, that offense was abysmal for the Steelers. Like, that, it was punt, 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 punt. I think one drive, they got six plays rather than three. That was about as good as it got. Um, drops. Offense just not with it. Russian game not there. Big Ben looking like as mobile as a JCB um, hasn't been oiled for several <laughs> years. It was it was pretty rough going, Ooh, to be honest with you. Um, Chiefs were amazing. Chiefs were just, they turned it on. Great to see that game next week. There is no doubt why, of course, it is in prime time in the US. That is going to be fireworks which unfortunately the Chiefs didn't have enough of because they ran out of fireworks. They had scored so many touchdowns. Probably some of them. All right, man. All right. Uh, yes, that, that game is in prime time. The game is currently scheduled for 11.30 p.m. Ireland time because somebody said this this morning, what time are the games at in Ireland time? Well, here you go. Ireland time. I don't think that's a real thing, but there it is, 11.30. Bills against the Chiefs, and uh, we will talk about that at the weekend on Friday night on our preview show where we give the picks for every one of those games. Uh, you're looking at a man that got four out of five. How many did you get last week or this weekend so far, Colin? Four? Yeah, thus far. But look, as we said, it's toss of a coin. I mean, that the Raiders-Bengals game um, could have gone another way. And uh, that the, the, the Cowboys-49ers uh, could have gone an, another way. That's the... That's what it comes down to. You just you you, ne- you never know with these things. Yeah, Michael, just on the Michael personally, I just want to say personally, I have the uh, Cowboys philosophy that I'm going to have a great regular season record and then just promptly bin it on my picks. <laughs> well, I, you know, like the, the second you made that comment, you completely shafted yourself, mate. And I make no apologies whatsoever. Uh, very quickly, just on the Chiefs, yeah, like look, they they they, they turned it on, uh, and that's what's so good about them. You know, they huff. They huff, they puff, they huff, they puff, they blow you away. You know, they say you will, they say you won't. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be an intriguing game of the weekend. You know, uh, the Chiefs fans that have said about, oh, they shouldn't have been playing yesterday. Well, you're not the Queen of England, mate. You know, let, let's not start talking about the royal family and stuff. But, you know, the Chiefs, the, the chief, can we the, just, the Chiefs the have Chiefs had a difficult. Did, the Chiefs themselves did not say that. Okay, the Packers themselves uh, like have haven't made comments in relation to any Absolutely. of this. Absolutely, and showed up. Andy Reid showed up, and as long as Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are there, it is going to be tough slogging for everyone else in the AFC. Can I make well, a point? I'm, I'm really can I make a point? Um, I we're not making any picks now. I. I I'd imagine come the weekend, someone will pick the Bengals. If the Bengals win, whoever wins the Bills and Chiefs will get a home game in the championship game. So you don't necessarily have to go over number one seed to go all the way to the Super Bowl. If the Bengals, and it's a, like it's a very evenly matched game. You look at the matchbook odds today. I mean, they're close enough in the odds. Like, no one's saying that the 
No one expected the Titans to blow the Bengals away, so who knows? Yeah. And just just one last thing on, on the Chiefs generally. I mean, obviously, with the benefit of people going into Arrowhead, obviously, they didn't pay out for them with the Patriots Cup about three years ago at this stage. But let's not forget that the only team this year who can make it a third Super Bowl appearance in three years, their playoff pedigree is unquestionable. So um, that's part of the fascination this season as well. Can they kind of set more history books uh, revolving in terms of the consistency in the playoffs yet again? Um, credit credit to the, the coaching staff, obviously, Pat Mahomes, the whole uh, talented pool of players they have combined there. And of course, to reference and balance Mark's statement there, they will be playing a man on Sunday that had more touchdowns than completed, uh, was it incompletions? Incompletions. I was going to say yeah. completed passes, but that's not right. He had, he had a lot of them. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, I think, okay. I think that's the sixth play or a sixth, sixth time or seventh time that's been done in history. Something is pretty low. I know. Uh, Tom Brady did. Uh, Tom Brady's done everything. That doesn't really count. <laughs> but uh, I, I know there's only a very limited number of quarterbacks that have ever done that. So unbelievable performance. Unbelievable. Um, and it doesn't matter to Frigg come 11.29 on Sunday night. And that is the Bills' problem. That's something I have to sit now over the next four or five days and think about. Can the Bills beat the Chiefs? Uh, I'll give my pick on Friday night along with these gentlemen here. Maybe Jeff Reinbold might come in. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. Uh, very very good reaction to Jeff's appearance on Friday night literally uh, people were stopping me and telling me so looking forward to that uh, there is a game tonight it is the Cardinals and the Rams in super wildcard weekend 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 uh, it, it finishes off tonight we are just to remind everybody presented by Trust Gaming and we're also presented by Matchbook Betting Exchange 20 pounds or 20 euros welcome offer Gives you money back as cash if your first bet loses. Use code Irish NFL Show and all the T's and C's are below. It's new customers only, 18 plus. Please be gamble aware. Now, Brian, I presume we won the bet at the weekend. No, um, as we said on Friday's show, we had a, a accumulation of bets picked between the three of us. And uh, unfortunately for you, Mark, your selection didn't come true, nor did your, yours, Michael, either. Mine was the only one of the three that made its way into the the winning category. I should I, I should have gone for the box, but I didn't. Uh, I certainly did. That's probably that last night. Um, your one was over fifty points in the 49ers Cowboys game, which finished no, at no 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 no. I, I did say Bengals minus six and a half, and I did say. Um, but that was your. I did, you put, I did your also. Selection. It's, it's, on, it's on the camera, Michael. You can go back on Friday's episode one. I'm, I'm only joking. I, I did see last night, though. I did see last night that Matchbook, and I'm not sure if this is in every game, they were doing player props. So um, that might be something that happens in play. Uh, I, I will also link people up on Twitter this week to a man on TikTok who has guessed uh, about 80% of the first scores in every game for the last three weeks. It's incredible. He got CJ, CJ Zuma the other night, and I was going crazy watching it. Uh, but yes, and thank you to Joe. You have to go. Thank you for listening to the show, and you're welcome back anytime. Uh, are we ready to make our picks? presented by Matchbook Betting Exchange. Let's go for it. Last game of the weekend. Should be a cracking game tonight. Okay, well, this is the game. A prize awaits. A prize to play a 86-year-old man, Tom Brady, in the next round of the playoffs. The Arizona Cardinals are going to SoFi Stadium to play the Los Angeles Rams. 
it's worth noting that remembering before we start off the picks that at one point in this season, the Arizona Cardinals were 7-0 against the Los, the Los Angeles Rams, who quite frankly, Colin, have went full Nama, full Celtic Tiger, full Let's Have a Bit of Crack, full Northern Bank 2004 mode. They are all in. The money's been thrown in. They're going for it. Who wins tonight and why? Well, generally, when when you're talking about NAMA, it's the people with money who uh, win. So in that case, it, it should be uh, the Rams. For me, I, I think the two things I'm that I think would be interested in this game is Aaron Donald had 14 pressures and three sacks the last time these teams met. He had more pressures himself than the Cardinals team had. They had 10. I imagine you're going to see a huge focus uh, by the cards in order to to try to stop um, Aaron Donald, and that I think will leave the the door open to Von Miller and to Leonard Floyd. So if those guys show up, and this is the reason that the Rams went and and got uh, Von Miller for just these sorts of, of games then it could be a, a long night for, for Kyler Murray. We know how talented Murray can be, but losing um, Hopkins, is, you know, who is one of the most talented wide receivers, is is tough to, to deal with. The other uh, side of things is Matthew Stafford, because Matthew Stafford might be the biggest obstacle to the Rams um, winning this game. Which, which Matthew Stafford shows up? Uh, the one who makes all sorts of mistakes and, and throws pick sixes or the one who can go uh, 15 of 16 um, and be laser focused. So that is the the question uh, that we're, I suppose everyone's waiting to see in terms of the playoffs. This is what the Rams went and they got Stafford for was the, the playoffs. So now it's really interesting. This is what it was all done for. I am going to say that when you have Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and Leonard Floyd, um, and you, on the other side of things, I know JJ is back, but when you are without one of the top wide receivers, I think advantage uh, Rams in, in that instance. I'm going to say that I think Stafford keeps it clean enough. This will be a tight game, though, but I'm going to go with the, the Rams to edge it. In the last four games, Stafford has thrown nine interceptions. He's certainly not a quarterback coming into form. The inconsistency is there. We're, we're seeing stuff now, especially for a Lions fan last week, because what you're seeing now is what we've been seeing for years, except we just didn't get to go to the playoffs. He's he's good, but he's not great. and He needs to be great to go on a run and get into the Super Bowl. Will it be good enough tonight? I believe it will be, and I put that down more so to the inconsistency of this Cardinals team. And there's three games I reflect on during the season. It's not necessarily going to because it's significant tonight, but they played the pack on a Thursday night when it was a key spot in the season where they could have went on and potentially got themselves in a real strong position with that number one seed, a packed in that was banged up, and they, they lost. They then played the Rams on a Monday night game at home when everybody expected the Cards to win because the Rams were beaten up and the Rams won. And last week, having seen what happened in the second half of the 49ers game, they again had the opportunity to win the division, and then they wouldn't even be playing this evening. And they lost. They just find ways in key games, in big situations, not to, not necessarily not to show up, just don't have enough to get it done. They're going to need a big game out quite a more. Where, like we spoke the last couple of weeks, in particular that game in Dallas, where he was back running around and there was not so much 
him throwing the ball as opposed to him he was he was running as well which then gets the defense off kilter we're going to have to see that from tonight and if he does they'll be well in the game but for me despite the concerns around Stafford's form lately I think with Akers back and that defense has Colin touched on I think the Rams will have enough to win the game and put themselves in a position to go into Tampa where they won last year as happens well it's fair to say that the Arizona Cardinals season has been a roller coaster and they are playing in SoFi Stadium tonight so it's not like they can blame any poor performance on the weatherman that's just to close out two more Bewitch songs for you, Michael, just to slot them in there. Anyway, the fascinating thing for me about this is we are literally talking about two number one overall quarterback picks, both going for their first playoff win of all time, Stafford and Mr. Murray. I think Stafford hasn't won one anyway. But anyway, we're talking about two number ones who have never uh, really reached the heights, obviously, in the playoffs. Last year, Murray and the Cards having the late swoon and not making the playoffs altogether in Stafford. Um, you know, can he right the wrongs of so many years gone by? There's some factors in here that we haven't touched on, and you, you called out a lot of it, guys. I mean, look at J.J. Watt coming back. Just look at the past rushing duos. Watt and Jones, Miller and Donald, between the four of them, they've got over 420 sacks. Like, I don't think we're ever going to see that complement of pass rushers on the field, or that's quality and quantity ever again the cards have actually been awesome on the road they're the best road team in the nfl they're actually eight and one um they also had a takeaway giveaway differential of 21 to 3. so they have been the best team in the nfl at full stop whenever they've gone on the road all over the, uh, at any point it is a divisional game effectively so it's the third time these teams are playing each other so there's that nuance that always comes into play as well um and yes as you alluded to like the, the cards are finishing the season one and four they're finishing the season on a terrible basis even with the rams messing up their opportunity obviously last week to be the number two seed and have two home games equally let's not forget just how much the cardinals messed up last week in terms of this could be at home although based on the stat i've just given out maybe they don't want it to be the only other nuance in this game that i want to call out that could have an impact is the rams already don't have the greatest secondary in the world and this week as well they're down both their starting safeties there is a strong possibility that eric woodell 37 years of age literally signed off the street this week will have a significant role to play in that defense and yes they the cards are without uh deandre hopkins but kyla murray keeping plays alive christian kirk you know aj three players like this they can they can make plays downfield and potentially exploit that um you know i mentioned the road team record they won there obviously in la in week three can they do it again when all the chips are on the line yeah they could and therefore even with their recent form i'm going with the cards to somehow do it oh Am I going with the Rams, Michael? Okay, I'm going with the Rams then. <laughs> Just X that if they're on the screen. I, I know, but have you talked yourself into the cards, Mark? I don't There's know. A, if, 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 if the cards are winning, that's fine. Just very quickly before I edit the picks, because I've got a bit of OCD about this. Uh, first off, Mike Mayock is out as GM. I'm sure Brian has seen it on, on the old auto tweet. Uh, and also, I was talking about my guy that does the. Uh, Betting on the on the old TikTok, Van Jefferson 
is tonight's favorite. Uh, he's just announced it. He sits and he looks all like happy and he just tries to look smart. And then look at this. Yeah. And then boom. He's also predicted a 28 to 17 victory for the Green Bay Packers against the Kansas City Chiefs for what it's worth in the Super Bowl. Uh, maybe you just want to talk about Mike Mayock for three seconds while I get yeah, my OCD well, on board. I, what was interesting to me, because it was obvious they had to do it because they announced that they were interviewing candidates before they announced that Mayock had lost his job. So I don't know if Mayock picked up the phone or went down the hall and knocked on uh, the the owner's office door and said, um, what's this about? But uh, an interesting uh, approach to, um, to to the process, you would have to say, not unsurprising given um, some of the, the picks that um, Mayock and, and Gruden made. But yeah, there's uh, you know an, another, I suppose, franchise who are looking for a, a GM head coach duo um i think there's is there more of those this year than than usual that certainly seems that way that's nine head coaches now you know dance i think it's four or five gms you know and that one one hired you interestingly enough they're all taking the gms and eight head coaches at the moment it's nice for the ocd 32 teams quarter of the 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 coaches and an eighth of the of the GM, so that's nice. Do you know though, Michael? Maybe I should go with the Rams. <laughs> there they are. There it is. He says on Friday: Patriots, Cowboys, Bucks, Chiefs. Oh, Rams. did I say the Rams before? How oh, then I stick with the Rams. Dare I, I, you, I, I never gave my selection until today, man. Should have let the weekend. Disgrace. I should have. No, no, Michael. Yeah, I'll stick with the Rams. You're right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> come here on the on the mayor situation Who are you going with when, when, when gruden can we have a point on mayor can we yeah yeah i'm just going with la sorry i'll go with la Thanks. oh christ he's only go, go brian go with your point last um during the season when gruden was removed from his role because of all the chaos that went on and um, we discussed about the fact that um, Mayock, when he was dra- scouting players for the draft, was on one floor, and Gruden had his own guys scouting on a different floor. There was a complete disconnect between him and Gruden, so it was inevitable that he would not be kept on. I wonder now would he be in the in the running for another GM role somewhere? Okay, I was button bashing too much there, but do, uh, do we do we have a decision? Do we have a decision? Well, while Mark is no, stick with the mind, cards, Mark. The, come on. The, uh, the oh. lineup for tonight's Manning cast uh, looks uh, absolutely stellar. So, uh, Larry, Larry Fitz, uh, The Rock, and Russell Wilson. Will Russell use his appearance, but like he did on Dan Patrick last year, to indicate what he uh, might do this offseason? Mark. Yeah, I'll stick with that. Like, good man, Michael. Sorry about that. Oh, and very quickly, because I don't want to start a whole different conversation, Mike Mayock will be back on NFL Network because he'll never get a GM job ever again. Talking about the draft and how I enjoy that and how I can't wait for the draft at this point. I'm only joking. I love it so much. Uh, how do we start this? Matthew Stafford is 0-3 in the postseason. Kyler Murray has never played in the postseason. The Cardinals are 4, and if I'm correct, 4-6 and six since they went 7-0. Oof. Oof, 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 oof. Uh, 
look for me it's it's cash fc it's cronky fc it's the money it's the fact that i would love to see von miller get one more ring uh aaron donald von miller jalen ramsey i don't even need to look at the offense i'm going to take that boy's pick don't even know his name van jefferson's going to get two touchdowns two tutties tonight and the rams are going to defeat the arizona cardinals um and jj mate you can't come in to dinner 40 minutes late the dinner will get cold it's over We'll see what happens next year. See if we get a full 16, 17 games. Sad for the Cardinals fans because, you know, for example, uh, Mark Hogan, who does a lot of editing for this show, and massively appreciate it, Mark. You know, like I'd say a lot of these boys have been sitting the whole season, seven and oh, Jesus, you're sitting there going, Whoa. and now look at this, they could be one and done. Uh, but if it helps anybody tonight, boys, um, you know, look. The great thing about if this it is... helps, look at Look at the picks. They're definitely going to win. That the Cardinals have to win this. Yeah, game. I was going to say. Great thing is when these played on Monday night, not so long ago, we all picked the cards and the Rams won in Arizona. So it's like Mark's playing a game of. Okay, leave it as it is. <laughs> um, Take a screenshot yes. with me picking the cards, just so I can claim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Best of both worlds tomorrow morning. Mark, you you've a bit of news about the Senior Bowl. Is that not in between? Are we not doing it in between, or is that? Are we actually going to do it on the, the before? Or what's your plans, Mark? Oh well, the as many people we're talking about the draft quite a bit tonight, and a lot of people's attention is already turned into April because, as you know, said there's only eight teams left, or the after tonight there'll only be eight teams left in. So, twenty four teams are looking ahead to saying, well, what are we going to do for next year? So, looking ahead to April already. Um, and as you guys know, the draft starts in Mobile. It starts with the Senior Bowl, where a lot of players uh, are on display. A lot of teams go down, see these players mixed uh, in different skill sets and different teams against it. And we talked last year with Jim Nagy, executive director of the Senior Bowl, long-term scout, uh, front office guy, um, um, assistant GM in various locations and places. And so uh, next week we're going to bring, uh, I think it's going to be next week, a special show focusing on the Senior Bowl, interview with Jim, hopefully interview with a couple of the players and see how it goes. But just to draw everyone's attention, kind of start for the, the teams that aren't still in the playoffs, a bit of focus, a bit of attention already on the draft, on the things coming up there to, to keep and whet their appetite uh, there as well. Written, edited, produced and rendered by Mark Cockrell Productions. Uh, LTV and, and any final words, Colin Cronin. I mean, this this weekend was high drama. Next weekend is probably the best weekend of the NFL season because it is um, really all of the the best teams. Obviously, the conference championship and the Super Bowl, you know. But next week we actually um, get football on Saturday night and Sunday night, and the the best of the best. So uh, it will be interesting to see, will it be the Rams or the Cards who get to join that uh, select group in the divisional rounds? Yeah, and this is when the number one seeds come in who've had their week off, and as we've discussed tonight, and I've seen a lot of back and forth talk on social last night around whether that two seed should still be getting the, the week off. But the Packers will be in, the Titans will be in. It'll be interesting to see whether that has any adverse reaction, because sometimes teams come in cold and... They don't hit the ground running and it kind of knocks them out of playoffs. But there's some really great games and looking forward to previewing them with you guys on Friday night. 
Yeah, I mean, keep keep me honest, boys, but I think the 2014 Super Bowl, Patriots-Seahawks is the last time that two number one seeds have faced off against each other in the Super Bowl. Generally, something goes awry. The seeding doesn't always pan out the way we expect. So, um, you know, Titans and Packers fans, you can turn that all round this year, or teams, you can turn that all round this year and prove it's all wrong, but usually we get some shock and surprise uh, this week or next. And that's part of the fun of the NFL. It's part of the fun of the playoffs. Yes, sir. Uh, and I want to thank everybody for watching this week. I want to thank everybody for interacting, commenting, slagging, having a bit of crack on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the works. Great crack. And one thing I'll say to Cowboys fans is this. You know, whenever Eamon Dunphy said this, you know, I did say that, but I was wrong. So I was wrong. And sure we'll see the crack next year boys uh, looking forward to the weekend i want to thank obviously matchbook for the partnership irish nfl show code 20 yo-yo 20 sterling presented by trust as well thank you to trust for your continued support with the irish nfl show and that's it we'll be back on friday evening preferably before the late late starts uh we're gonna have a few interviews and stuff and then we're gonna get our picks involved and let's see if we can get jeff reinbold on as well but for us that's the irish nfl show See you on Friday.